Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Can They Do That? This week, I am joined by managing partner Kathleen Scott. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Always exciting to be talking with an employment expert. In light of how well pregnant employees have done this year with the Pregnancy Fairness Act, yeah, with the Pump Act, yep. and of course, ever-changing laws with the FMLA. Yeah. So let's dive into that. Let's talk about these recent successes and also provide some tidbits of information of how to approach them. I was going to say it's a good time to be pregnant, but that seemed like a weird thing to say. But yes, I think from a legal <laughs> standpoint, from an employment law standpoint, now is uh, there's more protections now than ever. Uh, so that's exciting. So there's federal law and there's state law. So it's important to talk to kind of like put that on the paper to see where we are. These are federal changes that have happened. Um, so we're in Florida and pregnancy has always been what we call a protected characteristic under Florida law. So that hasn't changed and that's good and that remains the same. What's changed is the overtime minimum wage statute was recently amended to allow all women who have are expressing milk for up to one year from the date of delivery are required to give a safe private place to express milk. That's called the Pump Act. Wow. Okay. So let's dive a little bit more into that because obviously one sentence doesn't cover it all. First, what must an employer provide to workers who need to express milk? A private place more than a bathroom. The law specifically rejects the idea that you can use an employee restroom to express milk. It needs to be a private place. Um, and so that needs to be thought about, you know, a location. Uh, the other kind of interesting fact about it is the time spent expressing is compensable time. So employers cannot clock out employees for going to express milk. It's part, it's, it's on the job express time. That's actually sounds like a really big change, but unless expressing milk takes longer than 20 minutes, which usually it doesn't, that really is consistent with the law. And general breaks, if they're shorter than 20 minutes, are compensable anyway. So, um, but I do think this is a nice guarantee to make it very clear that expressing milk is compensable time and the statute does not put any time limitations on it. So that'll be, it'll be interesting to see now. This is a federal statute. It's part of the Fair Labor Standards Act. So there, it's likely that there could be um, CFR or Code of Federal Regulations that interpret these types of aspects of it. As of right now, there aren't any, but that could be coming. Interesting. It was just amended in December of 2022, and it took effect in April of 2023. So really new statute. Still seeing how it works out. And of course, we're always going to keep you up to date as the employment experts. Um, so just to clarify, we're going to reiterate that the space cannot be a bathroom. And it must be shielded from view from other people. So theoretically, no windows or if there are windows able to cover them. I don't know about windows. I would just think it just needs to be a place where someone can maybe lock a door, or close the door and say, hey, this is private and not have people walking in and out. Not the copy room. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> that would be a horrible situation. I mean, I know, and this is going back a long time, when I had my children, I used to ha express milk in my car because I could turn the AC on and it was like a place that was private. And I'm so happy to see that we've moved beyond that now. That's quite a ways to go. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I couldn't imagine. And then I also want to ask very quickly, does it have to be a permanent place or can it be a temporary place? So the statute doesn't speak about the permanency of it. It just needs to be available for the employee to express milk for up to one year. So it's semi, I mean, that's a long time. In this world, people change jobs pretty quickly. So one year is a bit. And so I think one of the other things to say out loud is that the overtime, the FLSA, the statute that was amended to require this um, opportunity for women to express milk, 
It applies to employers all sizes. Interesting. Yeah, two or more employees. So this, um, so one of the things the amendment did previously, um, it applied only to certain categories of employees, and so a lot of exempt workers, like management employees, were kind of left out of the statutory scheme for the expressing of the milk. So now it makes it very clear that if you have two or more employees, if you're regulated by this, and that's going to be everybody, right? And it doesn't matter whether you're exempt or not exempt from overtime, um, you are entitled to have this opportunity to express milk. That's such a great accomplishment. And I just want to make sure, theoretically, I'm going to throw a theoretical at you, Mm -hmm. which I know lawyers usually don't like. Uh If an employer doesn't have an employee who would need to express milk, do they still have to have this space available? No, no, because it's just for employees. It's not for the public. So yeah, so it's only until the need arises. That's a good question. And there are some narrow exceptions to the rule. Uh, Certain motor carrier um, providers have more lenient rules. Um, and that we can get into that, but that's a little bit more detailed. But the good news is, is that if you're pregnant and you're hoping to breastfeed your child, that your employer has a duty to accommodate you. Okay. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about a situation where this would take place. So let's say that we have a pregnant employee and um, that pregnant employee is disciplined for being late. Yeah. She claims that it's because she was expressing milk. What do we do in that situation? Well, let's break that down. I mean, so first of all, let's say this. Um, being pregnant, like being in a different, um, gender category doesn't give you greater rights. It gives you equal rights. Um, and so that's important to say that. So just because you're pregnant doesn't mean you have like a greater, um, expectation to your job. So your employer has absolute right to discipline you. Now, if you're late because you were having morning sickness or because you had to express milk before you left the house, but you didn't follow the protocols where you call in, text your employer, let them know, that's a problem. You know, you don't get like a pass, right? You don't get a hall pass. Well, you, the, the rules don't apply during this time. Um, not at all. But if you, but you wouldn't be able to discipline someone for being late if they came to work and were like, I need to go express. That's being at the workplace. They would need to be given a time to go express. Um, and then they could come back to work. You wouldn't, couldn't discipline them in that situation. So like with everything, it depends. But I, I think sometimes too, um, you know, the perception of other employees can be negative. If someone's showing up and then going to express milk, they can be like, oh, she just got here and she's already taking a break. And so I think that's a hard thing for the employer to navigate. And one thing the employer can do in that situation is recognize, tell everybody that, look, we support healthy babies here. And we want to make sure that all moms um, and parents have the right to have access to breast milk. And we're going to encourage that by having these uh, protocols. They're not only required, but they're part of our value system. And so like you can lead your employees on that point if they understand why that's important, right? Yeah. So let's say on the flip side, we have an employer who has an employee constantly coming in, needs to express milk or needs to take multiple breaks. That employer feels frustrated and maybe says that it's getting in the way of job duties. Is there... Mm, so how many breaks is too many breaks? Yes. That's a good question. I mean, I know for a lot of women, if, especially if you're trying to build up a milk supply because you're at work, right? That's the whole idea, to leave enough at home so who the child care provider can have enough milk to use the breast milk. So sometimes that's every two hours. But it, it typically, you know maybe invest in a better breast pump. I don't know, but I wouldn't think it would need to take that long to do that, but it might be every two hours. More likely is every four. Um, but if I'm the counseling the employer in that situation, I would just set the employee down and be like, listen, we want to be here. We want to support you, but let's work through this. There's some kinks, you know, especially if there's like phone coverage issues or there's like issues with someone being at the front desk, maybe you could work out a plan and work out a schedule. But do not recommend it being a terminal off terminable. I mean, it would, I wouldn't recommend, I mean, I would say work through it, but that's a hot, 
That's a that's, that's a, a hot take. Yeah. yeah, that's a bad idea. We advise you against that. Yes. In other pregnancy news, there's also a Pregnancy Fairness Act. I think it's called the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which so the history on this is interesting. You could only be accommodated as a pregnant employee if that pregnancy qualified as a disabling condition because the Americans with Disability Act needed to kick in. And so there were some, you know, rumblings about you know, whether this morning sickness applies or doesn't apply. And one neat thing is that the, the law was recently amended to have the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which basically says, yes, pregnancy and its, you know, related conditions are conditions that you need to accommodate as an employer. What does that look like? You don't have to create a job for someone because they're pregnant. So if you if the person says, look, I can't stand on my feet anymore and you don't have any jobs that are sitting, you can talk about maybe putting that person on a temporary leave status. So you don't have to create. But if you could give them a chair, that's a good idea. Um, you also have to avoid being paternalistic. And I've had cases where someone comes in, I'm pregnant, like, well, you can't work here. We work around toxic chemicals. That's not – and that you might be saying it out of love and respect and that's wonderful, but like just – it's really the employee's choice, but you should, you can counsel them on, listen, talk to your doctor about these things, make sure it's okay. Let's talk about other options like remote work or whatnot. It's okay. Just have to be careful about the way you, pre you present those things. Okay. That's good to know. Now I do have some other questions and this goes a little bit outside of the realm of the actual person who's expressing milk and maybe mm -hmm. those who are part of their support system. Yeah. So with the Pregnant Worker Fairness Act, I just want to make sure what happens, and we've had this question asked to us before, if maybe the paternal side or the support partner has to leave work in order for, let's say, complications? Yes. Yeah. It's a good question. So there's no coverage okay. unless they qualify for a family medical leave act. So FMLA, think the Brady Brunch, right? Who's covered under the FMLA? The person who's sick, but also the, the spouse, also the adoptive children, also your son and daughter, um, not Alice. Alice gets left out in the cold because she's not a family member. But yes, the FMLA, if you're a spouse and your, your child is sick and you're, or you're trying to assist a family member that has a, a disabling condition, you might qualify for FMLA. You know, we've done a lot for pregnant women in this last session. Have we done enough? I mean, here's the reality. There's no statute that requires that you give time off to a pregnant employee at all from at all. moment of birth, even the day of birth? Technically not, but you know, most employers do it, but you do have to treat pregnant employees the same as other time off conditions. So like if you allowed Joe to be out for six weeks because Joe broke his leg, then you would need to give Sally when she has a baby that time off. None of that is with pay. So the FMLA only kicks in if you work at a, a large enough employer that gives you 12 weeks off. But if you're at work for a small company that has less than 50 employees and you're having a child, um, most of the time off is going to be without pay unless you work for a very generous employer. So we usually counsel employers. The hard part about paid time off is that it's actually hard for employers at that size, right? Because paying someone to not work and then having to bring someone else in to cover them is kind of a financial difficult situation. So I counsel employers to consider getting a short-term disability policy that's paid for by the firm so that all people if they have to be out due to disability, including pregnancy, have some ability to get that paid. And it makes it a little easier for the employer to have that, you know, option. And it's a good benefit to offer. So when you're trying to retain employees, it's definitely a worthwhile thing. I definitely agree. That's a very great route to go. On this topic, would there be any other small advice that you would give to an employer when talking about offering short-term disability, when talking about paid time off? For pregnancy, you mean? Yes. Um, don't wait till it's the ninth month you know, so get ahead of it, have a policy like this should be addressed in your policy. 
we always tell employers to have written job descriptions because you don't want to be having a conversation about what the duties are when someone's asking, can I do this when I'm pregnant? Can I do this when I'm injured? Can I do this when I have a bad back? You want to make it clear. And so that's why having written handbooks, written job descriptions that say, what are the lifting requirements and things? Having that first before you're in a situation is ideal, right? Also, when someone's pregnant, it's great news. They're bringing life into the world. Congratulations. Don't you as a company want to be part of that event? Like, absolutely. And I know there's sort of a stigma like, well, they're not coming back after the pregnancy. And that, that might be true for some um, individuals. But um, for the most part, in my personal experience, our firm is built up of a lot of moms. You know, we have a lot of moms here. And it's awesome because I think I learned how to really use my time very efficient, efficiently. I was a working mom. I had the best of both worlds. I wouldn't trade it. You know, my kids see me as not only mom, but also as lawyer and, you know, consultant. And I love that. Um, so I think employers need to tackle the issue and not be afraid of it. And then get some counseling from an attorney just to make sure what is the minimum requirement and then what do they want to do in addition to that? And then think about the long-term effects. A, an employer who offers great leave um, and finds a way to be flexible to keep an employee that can run a family and have a job, that's going to be the employer who wins in the end because everyone sees that and they're going to want that too. Um, so I think that it's a win-win for everybody if it's done right and done in advance. I think you bring up a good point because there was a stigma maybe, I don't want to say a specific date, but a little while ago where if a woman or a person were to have a child, they typically wouldn't be returning back to the workforce. But that doesn't seem to be the case nowadays. The world's changing. The workplace is changing. A lot of people depend on work for a living wage. So it's good to know that maybe we move away from this idea that when they have a child or maybe they need to mm -hmm. care for a child that they're not working. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a time you didn't even see pregnant women on TV. Oh, yeah. Like at Anchor, And that wasn't that long ago. I mean, it really wasn't. So, um, yeah, it, things are hopefully moving in the right direction. I think they are. Can I be terminated for having to leave work to go assist my wife with her delivery because she had complications? Wow. That's a really crappy way to lose your job, right? Um, and I would certainly not want to defend that employer just on the optics alone. How horrible. But let's break it down from a legal standpoint. It depends on where he works. So if the employer only has, has under 50 employees, there really isn't any paternity leave rights. So, right? That's, that's unfortunate. Uh, that's unfortunate. And there isn't any Workers' Rights Act in Florida that allows, you know, the spouse or the significant other or domestic partner to have rights related to being present at the birth of a child. Um, we have a long way to go in Florida. We have that's a long way to go. But it does depend on where they work. It also depends on how it was handled. Like, was there notice provided? Um, that sort of thing. But that, it sounds like that person should have a consultation with a labor and employment attorney. But they would have a right under Family Medical Leave Act to take time off um, in that situation. And so that would be concerning if they were terminated for exercising that right. Okay. And now just to clarify that time off, if they had to leave work, even if it was without pay, they shouldn't have had any sort of worry about not being able to go back yes. to their job the next day. Right. So the FMLA gives two things, a particular amount of time off, 60 days or 12 weeks, depending on if you do it by the day or, you know, over um, time, it can be intermittent or all at once. It also guarantees you the right of reinstatement. So those two things are important, time off and the right of reinstatement. And they're supposed to keep your health benefits in place. Now they can make you pay your share um, while you're on a no work status. But yeah, those are that's what's supposed to happen. In hearing that example, it really highlights where there's a huge sort of blind spot in the law, right? I mean, everybody reasonable would agree that the 
dad should have a right to be at the birth of their child, right? And so I think it it highlights what I think is a little bit of a different problem in Florida. Our statute tracks the federal law, which requires 15, one, five or more employees before it even kicks in. Um, and the Florida Civil Rights Act is the same. And so I think we might have missed the mark on that, right? Like, do we really want to live in a world where like, if you have to have 15 employees in order for you to be held accountable for discriminating against people? I mean, I don't, that just sounds like maybe that's an, an arbitrary number. It sounds like a weird metric to have where you're counting people instead of, well, I mean, you're counting numbers really instead yeah, of people. The history of it, I think is well intended. I mean, the idea was people need handbooks and procedures and they need infrastructure in order to have a complaint procedure to prevent claims, right? And so they thought, well, if it's a small company, mom and pop, they shouldn't be burdened by having to have handbooks and all that infrastructure. But at the same time, it's a good idea to have a handbook no matter what size your company is. It gives your employees the rules of the road. And so I, I think it might've been a miss with with the Florida legislature. I mean, they've legislated a lot of things in the past session, and this might be something we, we want to take a closer look at. And of course, with changes, we're always going to have the updates. So even though we don't have the answer for it right now, or maybe we don't have the decision that we want right now, right, doesn't say that in the future we're not going to have an update with better news. That's right. So stay tuned. And in the meantime, ask your local labor and employment law attorney. So let me just give, in closing, let me just say a few words. If you're out there and you're starting your family, congratulations. Uh, what you need to know from an employment law perspective is consult the handbook, see what's offered in terms of maternity leave. If there isn't a maternity leave, take a head count. How many employees does the company have? They might not be required to give you a quote unquote unpaid leave, like under the Family Medical Leave Act. Um, but you should know how many people work there because that'll help guide the conversation. But know that when you do come back to work, um, you have a right to express milk and you need to, you can do that during work hours. It is compensable. They need to give you a private place. Um, and if you need minor accommodations, like in your final trimester, if you can't lift heavy things, that those general kind of issues usually can be easily accommodated. So, and it's an exciting time and hopefully the employer um, and the expecting employee can work together and uh, find a good outcome. Well, it's been great talking. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next Thursday on the next episode of Can They Do That? In the meantime, feel free to check out our social media at Scott Law Team. And if you ever feel like you need some help with your employment issues, feel free to call our office at 561-653-0008.